Hello and welcome to episode 145 of the Football Index Club Daily Podcast. Today I am joined by Index Moneyball. Again, we have Kevin on the podcast. So welcome to the podcast again, Kevin. How are you doing today? I'm good, mate. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, cheers for coming on. Um, I really like your support. It's good to have someone else to talk to about Football Index on here. And today we're just going to talk about what's going on in the Football Index stock market. It's covering the rises and the falls a little bit, talking about the matching engine and just having a general chat really about Football Index as the matching engine is live and it's all very exciting. It's all very new and hopefully there's quite a bit to talk about. Um, so getting straight into it, what are your first impressions then on the matching engine, having had a bit of a play with it over the last few days? Uh, I really like it. I think it's great. Uh, I'm just looking at the rises list today and I'm noticing that Kai Verts at the top there, he's got about a 1.1% spread, which is better than we ever saw from instant sell when it was controlled by Football Index. And yeah. Another thing that I suspected, which has definitely happened, is the players at the bottom end of the market who are kind of forgotten and unloved right now have got some big wide spreads on them, which is what I was hoping because I, I tend to trade for players who are out of favour or are young up-and-coming players and people lose patience, which is what I really wanted. Yeah, it's quality for all areas of the market, really. Um, have you taken advantage of any of the drops yet? Um, well, not any of the drops, but any of the large spreads in that lower end. Have you, have you managed to get any matched bids? I had, a, I, I had three. I, I won a few dividends the other day just from having one share in Kyavertz, which was one of my trackers that I wish I'd have took advantage of a couple of years ago. <laughs> Probably could have made like three, four hundred percent if I'd have bought him when I started that tracker. But yeah, so I just put a couple of bids in on a real cheap player and I managed to get him for, I think he was 24p and I got him for 15p. So that was good. Jeez. Yeah, that's quality. I've had a few matched bids. Um, I mean, I've not had a huge amount. I've had, I've put in a lot of bids, but they've not all been matched yet. But when they do get matched, it's absolute scenes. It's like your players just won dividends or something because you're getting them for like a 20 or 30% discount. And um, yeah, it's pretty game-changing. One player I did have was Saeed Benrahma at £1.56, which I'm quite happy with because I think his price is, well, it's up, his market price is 177 at the minute and I managed to get him at £1.56 which I think is all right. And I think what we're going to see is a lot of players who may be out of favour in terms of not suiting the current market trends and not really being where traders are looking at the minute. I think those players could be a little bit neglected and you will be able to pick some bargains up in those players. And then if you're patient enough for a few months, then you'll probably be able to sell them for a decent profit once they are back in and amongst um, traders' sort of thoughts and ideas around who's going to be good value at the current time due to suiting that market trend. So yeah, any yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, it actually just made me think, because last time we were talking a couple of days ago, you, you quoted Warren Buffett. And one of his other famous quotes is that the stock market is, uh, in the short term, it's a voting machine. And in the long term, it's a weigh weighing machine, as in like quality eventually will prevail. So taking advantage of short-term dips is going to be so much more profitable if you can get people at 30 to 40% below the, the price that the current buy price is. And yeah, usually, definitely. I think Suet Sirdar dipped quite a bit on his injury today for Schalke. I think he, um, I think some traders managed to get him for like a nice 20% discount or so. And that's just off the back of one injury. So we're probably going to see that in games even more as well. So I think traders who are really active will definitely benefit from taking advantage of those dips. And then also 
patient traders can just sit on those holds who may be less in demand for a temporary period of time and then market sell them at a much higher price. Well, instant sell them actually at a much higher price, hopefully in a few months in a few months' time. So yeah, like it, that's definitely it. And maximizing your profit based on other people's impatience is, is just going to be like a whole new aspect to it, really. Yeah, and there's going to be a lot of traders that are very impatient. I'm pretty sure the average time that a trader holds a share is like two or three days or some sort of, um, I think there was like some article released by Fubble Index discussing this some time ago. And I think it's because it's like a gambling platform. So it's not strictly investing. There is a lot of traders out there who are just buying and selling very often. I mean, obviously in the stock market, you have very active traders as well. You have day trading, but I don't know. I just think with Fubble Index, you do have a lot of people who aren't looking to hold players so long term. Um, so yeah, I think if you are patient enough and you do have those strategies in place to just look for that value, as you were saying about Warren Buffett's quotes, then overall you are definitely going to end up making some really good profits now with the matching engine and even better than before. Yeah, I think I, I, one thing that really prevents me from trading short term is I'm absolutely terrible at it. Every time <laughs> I every time I bought a player and sold them quickly, like I bought Ilicic this early this season. I told me I told a friend I was like, oh, I found this player. I think he's a good buy. Uh, he bought him. I bought him and then sold him. Like two weeks later, I got impatient and sold him, and he's been incredible ever since. And I did the same with Luke Shaw when he was coming back from injury. I was like, I think he's going to be a good player again. He was good before he got injured. And then Brandon Williams played a few games. I thought, oh, no, maybe he won't win his place back. Sold him. And then a few weeks later, he was winning dividends and he was up about 30% from where I'd sold. And he hadn't even expired from the IPD period for both those players when I sold them. So I just felt like an idiot after. So I'm, I'm learning more and more to stick with my long-term trades. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty similar, really. I've been tempted to sell Kai Hibbers lately because I actually bought him last week. I bought 150 shares in him, which was quite a lot for me um, just before the Verde Bremen game. I and mean, he's up £1.30 since having earned me loads of dividends as well, uh, which I'm really pleased to see. But I think in the past, if I hadn't maybe experienced holding longer term, if I hadn't experienced failing so much in short term holds in the past and selling them far too quick, I just know for a fact I would have seen his rise and just instant sold him with the really small spread and taken the profit and ran. But now with a bit more experience in kind of understanding that a lot of young quality talents do tend to just continue to rise longer term, I'm definitely going to plan on keeping Kai Burst at least for the next few months and just see what happens because Leverkusen's doing the Europa League. If he does play well in the next few games as well, I imagine he will rock it. And it's a bit like Erling Gort Haaland. I mean, he rose a huge amount. And in the past, I would have been tempted to sell him if I had upheld him on the back of those rises when he was maybe going from £6 to £7. But... Having seen those rises, it kind of makes me think Kai Havertz could maybe get to like seven or eight pounds over the next few weeks with a few more goals, whereas he's actually quite unlikely, I'd say, to drop a huge amount. So for me, over the next few weeks, the upside to Kai Havertz is still greater than the potential downside, at least for the next few weeks with so much momentum behind him. Yeah, and the other thing is with him and Haaland, it's, it's that I actually sold out Haaland at about 650 I think. Because I didn't realize he had a 60 million uh, release clause in his contract, which means that people could realistically still want to buy him this summer. And that's the same with Verts. Like, it's not just that he's playing well, it's that realistically he's going to move this year and he's going to move to a big, big club. And if that was the right club, you know, if it's a Man United or a Liverpool or a Chelsea, that could be huge for his potential price. He could be, you know, 
close, close, probably to ten pound. I would think if he if he did get the right move. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the ceiling's so high for him, and that's the thing with selling players and um, sort of in the short term, or why you should hold players longer term if they do have future events coming up over the next few months that could lead to a further increase in price if their chances of earning dividends are going to improve in the future. Often it is actually best to just keep those holds until their chances of earning dividends do improve. And with Havertz, well, he's going to earn probably more media dividends in the future. He'd probably earn even more matchday dividends at a better side as well. So for me at the minute, I still don't think his price fully reflects the fact that I transferred to a strong side is looking very likely over the next few weeks and months. Um, but I'm not really here to just pump Kai Havertz. I mean, I think it's more of a point of being aware of holding players until they really reflect the price, which you think um, shows their future events, uh, which could come true in terms of them earning match day or media dividends, if that makes sense. I, I don't know. I didn't really explain that very well. Yeah, I think another thing that I guess one of the things I'm learning is if you missed out on selling someone at a peak price, you always have the option of them regaining that price based on other events. Whereas if you sell too early and they go up, like like we were just talking before about both selling out of Alfonso Davies too early, you've missed your chance then, you know what I mean? Unless yeah. you have a player who you really want to buy, that's something I always try and drill into people. There's no point selling someone unless you think they're really, really overpriced. Because if, if you hold them and they drop back down, there's chances they're going to probably surpass that with market growth at some point anyway. Yeah, definitely. Um, I suppose the main thing really is just to consider if you would still buy them at their current price. So um, that kind of applies to any player on the platform. And then the other thing is if there's someone else better that you think would rise even more, then yeah. the opportunity cost can be quite high. But yeah, it's a different there is, one really. There's Sorry. a bit of room in there for a hold. Like, because there is a difference, like, there's some players that I wouldn't sell, but I wouldn't necessarily buy more at this price. I think mm. Pogba's a good example of that. Like, I think Pogba's at some point has to really go above £10 and, and catch up to some of the other players, especially when he starts playing again. But I, I, at the same time, I probably wouldn't buy him at his current price just because mm. it's not really my strategy to buy players in that kind of range. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, that's another good point. It does depend on your general strategy really and how many shares you've got in a player as well because suppose you're not going to you, you might want to offload a few players if you do have thousands and thousands of shares in them and you think there's maybe better opportunities elsewhere just having a look at my portfolio at the minute i've had some more matched bids go through um so like what i've done at the minute um is i've got a spreadsheet and it has all the players which i basically want to hold so I'm kind of thinking long-term, I've got about 30 or 40 players in there. And what I'm starting to do is just pick up more of these players just with these matched bids. And I think longer-term strategy should be quite sound. And then I'm just going to sell them when they hit prices, which I don't think they're good value anymore. So like Ludovic Blast, for example, he's been on my spreadsheet for weeks or months. And I didn't currently hold him. I actually sold him when he hit like 98p the other week because he rose quite a bit quite quickly for me. I think I bought him at 84p or so uh, when he's when he dropped due to COVID, but his market price is 90p, but I've just put a bid on him and I managed to get him at 80p. So I think that's another thing which could be even more useful now is maybe having like a spreadsheet of players that you want to buy and just have your prices kind of set at what value you think they are and then maybe just wait for match, uh, match bids to go through. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I quite like about this is the fact that it takes you money and doesn't let you just put endless amounts of bids in. It's <laughs> 
it's going to force you to keep a cash balance in some respects, even though you don't have access to that cash balance. Because mm. my plan now is probably to put a couple of grand in, have it sat with bids in on players. And then if I see a really good deal, I can always close some bids out and use that money for them instead. So it's, it's effectively the same as having a cash balance. If the bids don't go through, then you've still got access to that money. Yeah, but I completely agree. And that's something that I've been doing as well over the last few days. I've actually cancelled a ton of bids because I've been finding better value elsewhere or maybe a player is just taking ages to get matched. I've decided that I want to bid on someone else who I think is more likely um, to match and will be better value. And another thing with that is with IPOs coming in, I think there will be more IPOs released probably over the next few weeks and months. And once they're sort of in the works and we have more information on those i imagine quite a lot of people will be cancelling bids and so you've got kind of two options there one you can cancel your bids have that cash balance and maybe attempt to get into some ipos and see what happens there or the other one is of course uh hopefully you'd be able to buy some of the players that you've been trying to buy for even lower prices as there's less demand there with people holding cash balances for the ipos instead yeah and one of the things i think is going to come from it is there's going to be more volatility because of the fact that people can be more reactive by cancelling yeah. bids. Yeah, definitely. Um, overall, I mean, Football Index should hopefully generate more revenue. I think the only people possibly losing out with the matching engine is going to be traders who aren't very good and are maybe very impatient. Um, but other than that, I think pretty much everyone is winning because Football Index generate more revenue. Most customers are going to be very happy um, and hopefully we'll get some more big accounts on the platform because with the NASDAQ technology coming in, um, well, maybe that will attract some, some bigger accounts too. So, yeah, it's all looking very promising at the minute. Um, do you yeah. want to get into some of the rises from this weekend, if that's all right? Yeah, sure. All right. Well, we've got here Timo Werner up 14p to £6.45. Did he get another, I think he got another hat-trick today, didn't he? He did, yeah. I don't know if he won the dividends, though. I think that's probably over now. Yeah, I'm just going to double-check that. Let's see how he's doing in the match day rankings. Yeah, he's on a 2-6-1. Um, yeah, it's over. I think Cologne, Cologne are playing at the minute versus Dusseldorf, in fact. Let me just check. 87th minute, and no one's anywhere near him. In fact, Dusseldorf 2-0 up against Cologne away from home. I'm very surprised by that because... Cologne have looked really good this season, especially since their new manager came in a few months ago. And Dusseldorf is 16th, but yeah, they've uh, won 2-0 away. Looks Keenan Caraman getting a goal. A little bit of a IPD striker he is. But yeah, anyway, team over and again off track. 2-6-1 today. A massive PB win. He's absolutely rapid. And I think I mentioned this recently, but someone asked me what I think of Timo Werner as a hold. And I kind of said, I'm not 100% sure really about him because his price is so high. And I think with him scoring a hat-trick today, hitting a 2-6-1, but only increasing 2% in price. That kind of confirms what I was saying, which is everyone kind of already knows now how good he is. And because he is like four years older than Havertz, five years older than Haaland, he's maybe less of an attractive hold right now than some of those elite youngsters. And I think if he was like four years younger, then he would have rose like one pound today, like Kai Havertz did recently. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's it shows perfectly something that I've spoke about in one of my videos. I don't remember which one now. But if you like certain players, it's almost like your risk is, is much bigger than your reward because you're, you're almost expecting that Timo Werner has to be winning dividends and get a transfer to maintain his price. So yeah. if he gets injured and stays at RB Leipzig, you know, if he tore his ACL tomorrow, I feel like his price would go down like 40%. 
Yeah, I think his price could certainly drop quite a bit. Um, just because he's rose so much over the last few months. And as I think you were saying there as well, is that it's kind of already factored in that he's a quality player. Getting a hat-trick today in my eyes in 2%. For me, that's kind of a bit worrying because where does he go from here? I mean, obviously, he's going to get more transfer links. He's been linked to Man United, Chelsea, Liverpool, some big Premier League teams there. But... I mean, he's hit a 2 6 1 today. That is a humongous PB score. You can't really do too much better than that as a forward. Well, at least not that regularly. So, you know, he's going to be star man as well. Um, and rising 2%, I don't think that's a great rise. Like, I mean, obviously, only dividends is great. But when there's players like Kai Hibbert, who you can make, like, he, he can increase one pound or other players, like even Kevin Campbell, say like a 203 today and most 24%. It just kind of seems to me like what you're saying is the potential upside isn't as high now with Timo Werner, but the potential downside is quite high because maybe if those transfer links don't go through or an injury happens, then maybe he could drop a little bit. I think longer term, he will rise with market growth because he is a quality player overall, but it's just compared to other players, maybe not the best hold now um, because it just doesn't really seem to be so much excitement about him. Maybe if he gets another hat-trick next week, he'll rise again. So we'll have to see. Yeah, he absolutely is top of media as well. So he's going to be getting, he's going to be earning dividends. You're definitely going to make money on him. Yeah. He's not a terrible hold. He's just a bit high risk. Okay, at this point in the episode, I kind of just waffled on quite aimlessly, so I decided to remove it and just end the episode here pretty much, but there will be a lot more to come for me in Index Moneyball. Um, so thanks, as always, for coming on, and hopefully you'll be up for coming on a few more podcasts this week. Are you up for that? Yeah, definitely, and uh, looking forward to hearing John on here tomorrow as well. Oh yeah, cheers. Yeah, I look forward to speaking to John. That's another thing, actually, if anyone listening, High Wide and Handsome will be on the podcast tomorrow maybe it'll be out on tuesday i'm not sure yet um but we'll see how that goes definitely next week i'm going to speak to him tomorrow and we'll see what we can record but that'll be a really interesting listen as well so really grateful as always for having you on here kevin and hope you have a really good week everyone listening yourself kevin and we'll be doing another podcast again over the next few days so listen out for that cheers for listening and i hope you have a great week